Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Deeply Graphic Design Cast, the show about all things design, from the creative side to the business side and all points in between. Follow the show on Twitter at Wes McDowell. Want the gang to answer your question on an upcoming episode? Send in your listener question to questions at thedeependdesign.com or via Twitter using hashtag DGDC. Here are your hosts. Wes McDowell in Chicago. Mikkel Morrison in Seattle. Nick Longo in Los Angeles. All right, back together again, and want to thank everybody for continuing to listen and for telling a friend. We love yeah. it. We've been getting a, some more uh, five-star reviews on iTunes, which warms my heart to I, see. That. I wish there was a way we can <laughs> oh, reply we got, back. It's like it always yeah. says, I hope you well, guys read this, and we are. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we did get a recent Uh-oh. two-star review what? from someone who said they love the show, but they feel like we only put one out every five weeks. I uh, beg to differ. It's every two differ. weeks. Yeah. yeah. Two, two a so, month. Two a month. How about how about you bump that two up to five? You like the show. We're working hard for you here. Oh, that's we've, sweet, though, because that individual thinks, yeah. feels like there's too much time in between, and it feels like yeah. five as opposed to two. <laughs> that's well, it's true. Good. It means, a good sign. That means we give them time to miss us, which is leave them wanting more, <laughs> I say, right? The worst would be like we do it every day, and they're like, God, shut up already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Enough with the weather in Chicago. My God. Oh, my God. <laughs> what are you guys up to? Anything uh, good happen this week? Oh, uh, I'm just, again, it's glad it's Friday. I love recording on Friday with you guys. That's great. It's a good day. Uh, school's yeah. doing well, and they're just getting ready for um, portfolio review, which is coming up a month from t- from today. So. That's a that's always a fun spot to be in as a student design student is getting your portfolio ready for the first time. Remember that? Yeah, that's exciting and totally stressful. I remember it is. It is, and so I'm I'm just loving it. But we have about 50 reviewers coming out in about a month, and they spend the whole day together. So it's it'll be fun. I can't wait for it. It's it's one of those. Yeah, I'm gonna. I might just blend in and bring my portfolio. (laughs) There you go. Why not? Imposter. Just like put. Put on a hat and some exactly. sunglasses and pretend to be a student. <laughs> exactly. How's everything with you guys? Yeah, good. We good. just Mikkel? got back from Chelan last night, and so it's unpacking and where? repacking because I take off for Camino Island shortly. Where are all these? What is, where are all these exotic places you're going? Yeah. No, Cabo's exotic. exotic. Yeah, I know. Eastern I know. Washington <laughs> is not exotic. Oh, Eastern Washington. Okay. Got yeah, it. we were at Lake Chelan to see family, and we took an RV over and. We just got back, and now I leave for girls' weekend, and I drop off Oakley at school this morning, and he's in tears. So it's I'm trying to get of over course. it still. Guilty mom syndrome now, right? <laughs> It'll all Again, you got to give him a chance to miss you. You don't want too much mom time. That's no good. If there's one oh lesson gosh, in today's episode. It'll be so episode. interesting to hear you say that when you're a dad someday. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that'll ever happen, but mm, I'll let be. you know. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> Never know. But, um, Yeah. But to continue the tradition of uh, last week telling you about the terrible show I saw, I have a good one I saw this week. Um, 
I don't know if you guys watch the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on mm-hmm. the CW. It's hilarious, no. and it's on Netflix. Anyone who doesn't watch it should watch it. It's it's hilarious. It's a musical, but it's funny. It's like Book of Mormon style kind oh, of cool. funny. Yeah. And they did a um. They're they're like touring right now, doing um little shows. The whole cast singing a lot of the songs from the show. So we went there the other night. Cool. And it was, yeah. So You're so good about anyone... attending this stuff. Like all oh, your well, hard, like a... hard-earned money goes to these musicals. Well, this was just kind of a concert, more or it's, less. It's but... West keeping the arts alive. That's ha- what it is. Exactly. Come on. I'm on, on the <laughs> but no, if anyone, like, if you want to get your feed wet in the show, it's on Netflix. And just do yourself a favor and YouTube, first penis I saw, it is delightful. It's one of the funniest songs from the show. Oh, so okay. It's a good um, <laughs> entry point. <laughs> Wes's, Wes's picks. I love it. Yeah. I just heard, um, what's her name from Saturday Night Live? Um, Tina Fey being interviewed for um, performing on stage, Mean Girls. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's getting really DC. good reviews already. Yeah, I saw it. It was great. But anyway, enough Broadway and CW musical talk. <laughs> it's time to talk about Skillshare. Skillshare is amazing. We love them. I love them particularly um, whenever it comes time to learn a new skill or a new software. Um, right now, I'm using it to learn um, what I've talked about on the show before. Uh, Adobe, sorry, uh, yeah, Adobe XD, the new uh, oh, yeah. web design program. Yeah. It's like kind of the sketch alternative. Yep. I'm going to Skillshare to learn that. So they have everything all in one place. Um, they're an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in graphic design, logo design, illustration, and everything else. And it's growing all the time. So um, for instance, to little foreshadowing for our show today, we're going to be talking some packaging design. And I did a little search on Skillshare. They've got so many packaging design courses, like one called one uh, the Dye Line put out uh-huh. called Packaging Design, uh-huh. Sketching Concepts That Surprise and Delight. <laughs> so you can learn the, the, the first class is the surprising and the second course is the delighting. So yeah. <laughs> you got it all there. Um, but there's I'm looking at about 30 or even more courses all about packaging yeah. design. Oh, there's tons. Just to show you. Yeah. Yeah. So they've, they've got it all is the point. Um, but anyway, we have worked out a deal just for our listeners. You can get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That is right. Can you believe it? Skillshare is offering our listeners two months of unlimited access to the over 18,000 classes for less than a dollar one penny under a dollar to be exact, 99 cents. So to sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash graphic. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash graphic to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash graphic. Cool. All right. So today we're continuing right along with our little uh, mini-series of uh, design niche spotlights. So today we have um, a special guest, Stephen Cox, with us. And he works with Damon. It's a company called Damon.com. Uh, and they he, they do all the private brand design. So welcome, Stephen. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, yeah, why don't you go ahead and give us a rundown for our listeners what exactly you do and what Damon does and how you fit into it. Sure. Yeah, so Damon, uh, you know, Damon's been working with private brand uh, since, you know, the early 70s, um, you know, kind of back when the mm-hmm. thought of private brand was really more of the generic packaging, like the yellow label with the black type on it and everything kind of looked the same and super plain cheap. wrap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, 
luckily for me, um, you know, I wasn't really around at that point, um, kind of rooted into this career, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, my focus is really from the branding side of private, private brand design and really developing the, the branding strategies and, and, uh, packaging right. for these retailers. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, so why don't you, for the benefit of our listeners, we already talked about it off air, but why don't you go ahead and let everybody know exactly what you mean by private brands? Sure. So, you know, historically private brands are, uh, are kind of, you know, retailer owned. So, you know, they would have the retailer's brand mark on it. Um, that strategy is certainly changing and there are other brands that the retailers are now developing that, uh, that are really more endorsed by a retailer as opposed to, um, you know, kind of really having that, that brand mark that's on the side of the store be front and center. Um, yeah. so really, you know, our job is to really kind of develop the strategies and executions that, that kind of help them position their brands in the marketplace, you know, next to all of the, the brands that everybody knows and loves and, and kind of carve out their little, uh, you know, niche on the shelf. Yeah. It's probably great to maybe even highlight, like you were mentioning earlier too, the up and up brand at target is like a great example of what a private label might be like at a particular retailer. And then like you were saying too, the tiers they have, they have even a nicer one market pantry, right. And like mm -hmm. other ones like and it's an archer farms. Yeah. yeah. And, I don't and, know if they still have that. Yeah, the, and in fact, that's their they way do. of kind of differentiating yeah. them, you know, low, mid, and high. But right. you're right. They have to compete with the big, the big league players right next to them. But it's not primarily like with the Target logo on it, but it's the brand that they've and you have helped them create, correct? Yeah, and, and you yeah. know, the strategies really do change from retailer to retailer, and mm -hmm. some do really go with the kind of, you know, economy brand, the, the mid-level brand, and then that really premium brand. Yeah. Um, some retailers really kind of, um, you know, develop brands based on consumer lifestyle, so they might have a very, like, natural and organic yeah. brand that, um, you know, speaks to a certain consumer type. Um, so the strategies are really... Uh, very broad and can kind of go and reach different different consumers, different markets, uh, and and mm -hmm. that's part of the reason why I really enjoy it is the flexibility of that uh, that kind of strategic approach is really something that that kind of grabbed me pretty early on. And it's quite a challenge too, I bet, having to not only start something new but represent a previous brand in a good way too, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, some they're all different, right? So like. Just like any other, you know, branding, packaging, exploratory, you know, you, you typically inherit um, the good and bad assets and, and equities that come along with it. So, you know, for, for any of these brands, when we're really trying to position it to the right consumer target, um, you know, it's really about pulling it apart and, and really kind of teasing out the, the assets that, that consumers like and, and want to see carry forward. And then, you know, kind of evolving the other ones to... Uh, you know, to leave leave back what what they're kind of gonna like grow away from. Got it. Cool. How did you nice. get into How'd you get into this? I'm curious. I, I think that's like <laughs> a good question to start with, right? <laughs> yeah, my uh, you know my entry into private brand um, actually started pretty early on. Um, you know, I, I kind of came came out of school with a pretty good understanding of packaging really being the uh the area of design that i wanted to focus on um you know i kind of started out in a in an era when uh you know annual reports were really kind of a big mm -hmm. deal for people to design so um yeah. you know for me it was like it's 20 pages of really cool like handcrafted uh art and and you know illustrations and 
typography followed by you know 200 pages of uh you know columns of text and numbers yeah. which uh really <laughs> thank wasn't, god that uh, thank god that's all changed <laughs> yeah that wasn't uh wasn't super exciting when she got to the back half for me so yeah, um you know yeah. pretty early on i just i you know i was handed a packaging project and the ability to like really think through a challenge in in kind of a 3d form um was something that really mm-hmm. kind of gravitated like i gravitated towards that a lot um yeah so one of my first uh you know one of my first um kind of entries into the professional world was actually at uh damon where i'm currently now um and i didn't really know anything about private brand at the time so it was really i kind of just happened upon it um but i really always kind of looked at private brand at least early on as kind of the stepping stone for you know what i really wanted to do at the time which was get into uh, you know, national brands that really work with the big guys that were out there. Um, yeah. So, you know, that was kind of how I entered in. Um, you know, I ended up moving into kind of Manhattan and uh, working my way through some of the bigger, you know, branding agencies that are that are in Manhattan. And, uh, you know, I got the exposure that I always thought I wanted. Um, and mm-hmm. I worked with the big brands like Nestle and Butterfinger and Schweppes and all those guys. And uh, And it was great. Um, while I was at these other branding agencies, there was always at least one private brand, um, you know, different clients that was always kind of around and kind of followed me. Um, so <laughs> it just kind of stuck around and it was, I was probably about 12 years into my career before I realized that the thing that followed me was actually really where my passion lied. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it's really been the last kind of five years that I've um, kind of circled back and uh, and really made kind of the commitment to private brand from a design perspective to be really more of my focus. Nice. So did you seek out this company because it was in that space or did it just kind of happen naturally? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I started really early on in my career at Damon, um, kind of left and, and went out and kind of explored and did a bunch of other things. Um, all within packaging and branding. Um, and then when I, you know, when I really made the decision to be specifically focused in private brand design, um, you know, I, I, I identified a couple companies that are really focused on that as a discipline and Damon's one of them. So, um, you know, it's pretty rare to find an agency that uh, is kind of solely focused in yeah. one area. Um, so that was kind of one major factor that really drove me back to this particular agency environment. Um, hmm. Neat. So, you know, that that's kind of what, and, and, you know, the, the opportunity here just happened to align with, uh, you know, with, with other things that were going on in my career. So um, it was kind of the perfect balance of, of, you know, the right brand mix, the right agency environment, and, you know, kind of the right time in my career. Good. Yeah. It's a mixture cool. of all of them, really. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So what about that, um, the, the private label or the private brand stuff dr- draws you more than if you were just to do packaging mm-hmm. or other brands? Sure. What, what about that intrigues you so much? Yeah, you know, I, this is an industry that just, it continues to evolve. Um, you know, like I kind of mentioned yeah. before, it, it really did start out as the generic version of, of you know, what you would want to buy. Uh, and it was really just a yeah. cost-driven solution. Um, and you know, in the that was probably seventies. I mean, those and, products used to be like the the butt of every joke. Yeah, you know? exactly. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the generics. Yeah. Yep. yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, sure. and, and, uh, and you're right. It was all about value. It had nothing well, to do with design. I remember, yep. yeah. Remember going like going to my grandparents' house, and they always had like the big <laughs> bag of cereal. Yeah. Oh yeah. Versus the box, and like that's how you know that it yep. was. You're like, where's Toucan yeah. Sam? He's not here. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was like. Yeah, it's not sparrow, considered sparrow the cheap. Pete the cheap. You're being cheap route anymore. It's no. not like how it used to be in that regard. Yeah. No. And I also think Sorry, too, but... and I'd be curious about this. Aren't consumers a little, they're more aware now that these generic brands are probably produced on the same exact lines that the, the, big, band, the big brands are. In fact, sometimes they're produced by the big brands. So like, mm. I, yeah. I think we're getting smarter to know like, hey, yeah. if it's an attractive looking package yeah. and, it's the, and the cost is better right. and we know the quality is going to be good, well, it's yeah. kind of a win-win-win, right? Like, like, yeah, if one more person tells me how... <laughs> You know, uh, Costco's vodka is the same as Grey Goose. I'm gonna lose it. I know. I just can't put a Kirkland bottle, Kirkland bottle on my bar. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think yeah, Kirkland. You guys are exactly right with that. They, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the quality has has certainly you know stepped up all the way to you know equal to national brands at this point. I think consumers are smarter and more aware of that, and and just in general, right? I think they're more willing to kind of do their homework beforehand, kind of read the label. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah, so I think I think the, the playing field has equaled out in terms of quality of product. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, and now it's really just the same kind of, you know, how do we connect to a consumer's lifestyle, uh, you know, just like the big brands have to do. Yeah, because yep. every, everyone wants volume, and that's probably the one of the better ways to do it because you have an instant kind of... Um, uh, sell through because of all the locations that your client probably has. So it, it's a kind of, it, it, it makes sense because it's not like you're having to launch a brand really the traditional way. It's already in stores because the store made it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep. Right. And I have to wonder if, um, you know, the, the work you guys do in making these store brands, these quote generic brands um, look like they can compete against the name brands I wonder if that has had anything to do with the consumer's perception that we're talking about, about the quality. Yeah. I'm sure the quality of the products have gone up too, but I, I think that the work you guys do, the packaging aspect, probably has a lot to do with people buying more of it, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, there's a significant, uh, you know, kind of focus now on the brand and and kind of the creative that goes into the package design uh, that wasn't really there in the early days of private brand, right? It would just, from a, from the retailer's perspective, that wasn't how they were going to look to position yeah. it. It was really all about value. And if they just cut out all of the overhead, that's the way they could bring the value, right? Um, yeah, yeah. It, you know, all of the, the brands that we work with and the retailers, and, you know, they certainly have a, a huge focus on, uh, on, on kind of the, the strategy of developing a brand. Um, and it's, it's really a focus of theirs. So, you know, obviously they allow us the ability to kind of, uh, you know, stretch into different creative areas, um, way more than they ever have before, which is a great thing. What, what, what would you, um, I imagine the biggest challenge would be the fact that you're creating a brand that has to be super flexible for any future product or skew down the road, right? And every type of packaging. So what what are the things you you really zero in on to make sure that the brand is consistent throughout its entire collection? Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the, the brands really do run the gamut, right? So mm-hmm. there are some that 
really want that high level of connectivity across the entire store. Yeah. Um, so from an architectural perspective or even a typographic perspective, they're, they're really doing things that are kind of consistent across the, you know, the entire store landscape from category to category, whether you're in a frozen cooler um, yeah. or your kind of center store cereal, uh, you know, cans of soup, they're all going to look kind of the same. Um, and that's just a strategy that they, you know, that they feel like deploying. Um, yeah. Because they, you know, they're trying to build their kind of store banner. Um, and then you have other retailers that that really kind of embody the uh, the spirit of every category as a one-off, right? And they're really yeah. using their brand mark as a uh, a little badge of quality. Um, mm-hmm. But they're really letting the products kind of compete in their own. So, you know, if you're going up against, you know, uh, you know, Captain Crunch, and and you know, you got to have your own uh, kind of look and feel and personality that is equally as enticing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, is it okay for you to share what, um, you know, we keep, we keep talking and envisioning these shelf items that are more physically based and would it be all right if you shared those in the e-com space that you work with? Absolutely. I mean, we do, um, you know, we work with some e-com retailers, uh, you know, Fresh Direct, which has to, you know, kind of compete in an online environment only. Um, Sure. Yeah. So, you know, we were constantly doing things a little bit differently for their packaging than we would a brick and mortar store. Um, right. You know, given that they, you know, they, they land in a different kind of virtual shelf. So, you know, the consumer really yeah. is, is looking at, uh, at the graphics in a different way. Um, yeah. Because they don't So the need whole to marketing strategy is, is distinct in that, in that respect, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the biggest challenge so cool. right now is for the, you know, the brick and mortar stores, uh, they're so used to doing it one way. Um, yeah. And now for right. them to transition into thinking about how they get their products, um, you know, to deliver to consumers in a different channel uh, yeah. is certainly something that's, that's probably their next biggest hurdle in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. What would you say is the most interesting part of this for you, of your specialty, the niche? Um, you know, the most interesting thing for me is really the the creative freedom that happens from category to category. So, I, you know, and I think a lot of that has just happened over time where retailers are moving away from kind of the, you know, the every category looking the same, every product looking the same, and really kind of pushing the boundaries for mm-hmm. um, any specific category, right? So that that for me is is really where the the interest lies um yeah you know and and on top of that you know they're super open to uh to kind of pushing the boundaries too because they're not the typical brand that has a lot of you know brand assets in one category you know like if you're uh you know a spring water you you know you kind of have developed your your brand over time and and kind of consumers know what to expect you know if you're if you're Dasani, it's going to be blue. Um, if yeah. You, uh-huh. if, you, if you made it red, you'd probably lose some some consumer share there. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, our our guys yeah. are you know they're they're more open to kind of being different in some ways because they you know they have you in the store and their brand mark is on the side of the store, so they don't yeah. have to work as hard. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be back behind the the store for exactly. sure. It's got all of its support. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So like, yeah, you mentioned that too with the, um, with the clients that you're dealing with in these stores, let's say, do you find there's an advantage to the fact that you are 
working with them on something that is their own brand, as opposed to maybe some of these bigger brands that are so cautious about what they have to put on the shelf? And, and you know, is it a better relationship when it comes to the creative process? Yeah, I don't know if it's, you know, in my experience, I don't know that it's been better, but certainly been different, right? Yeah, so, yeah. You know, I think they they all run into the same challenges, right? It's really about how do I connect with my consumer? Um, their consumer just happens to be more uh, regionally driven. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so a retailer in Northern California is going to have, you know, kind of different different benefits and, and things that are sure. important to their lifestyle than, you know, you will find in Texas. So, um, and I think that's part of the part of the fun for me too, is that, you know, I, I kind of get to treat every brand super different just based on yeah. the regional and kind of cultural things that are happening in that region. Um, you get to be more specific with kind of who you're reaching and then the design you're going to build for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I like that. How does that, how does that research go? Like, how do you put, if you, you live in Connecticut, right? Yes. Okay. So how do you put yourself kind of in the, the shoes of a, Oklahoma or somewhere yeah, in the Northwest. The discovery what is, phase has got to be fascinating. Like? No, yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty interesting, and we have uh, you know we have a lot of uh, we have a large field team, uh, so people who are from those areas and they work with the retailers on you know marketing and other kind of you know areas for their brand. Um, so you know we do have kind of the the experts in those regions that we can pull from. Um, you know we'll we will deploy testing and that kind of thing just to validate, but uh, you know, for the most part, you know, part of the benefit that I have worked for a large agency is that, uh, you know, I have those resources that are kind of in all of our, uh, you know, regional offices. So, um, you know, we can kind of have access to all that data, um, at a, you know, pretty quick, quick glance. Okay. And then, and then it's just about putting yourself into that kind of situation, reading the brief of what they give you and communicating as best as possible. Yeah, I mean, you know, just like any other, you know, branding initiative, right? It's uh it's really about creating a visual uh interpretation of of all the data, right? So if yeah. you know, if if really if it's a health-driven product, you know, how do you bring that to life in in, you know, the most clean and concise way and um, you know, where if it's something that is in a different part of the country that is more uh in like of an, an indulgence-driven product, um, you know, clearly there's a different uh, visual communication there. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Cool. So, how many? How big is your creative services team? So, you know, we kind of run the uh, beginning to end with uh, brand strategy all the way through execution and and uh, production. So, we, you know, our team is about uh, sixty people total. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my uh, my team, is, you know, being just the the design uh, portion of it, uh, really kind of focusing on the branding and creative. Uh, is about mm -hmm. is about ten people. Great. Okay. Okay. Cool. And okay. and do they get to see it through the whole process, like in an individual, or does it go through teams of like development, process, revisions, production, or how does it work? Yeah. So the um, you know our our system is is probably a little bit different, where we uh, we really do give uh, you know kind of each retailer their own kind of hub team. Um, Good. You know cool. where we where they become really the brand ambassadors for that brand. Mm -hmm. um, it really does help them uh, get grounded in kind of the region they live in, you know, the the aesthetic that the brand is kind of trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, so that's it. You know, within our our company is kind of being a specialty niche of of uh, you know developing private brands. Um, you know, kind of each design team has uh, a lead for each retailer that uh, 
that really is kind of the specialty niche is is, is that particular brand's DNA. Nice. I'm just- okay. So you've got a team of 10 people. Yep. So each each one of you on that team kind of is the lead of one of the brands. Is Projects. that what I'm understanding? Or Yep. Yep. So one of the brands. Okay. Um, okay. And, you know, because we'll work. You know, that for, makes sense. I'm sure that's yeah. a healthy way to proceed because otherwise you get distracted by the, all the other projects <laughs> that are coming around in-house. Yeah. And there could be some conflict there. So it allows that team of ambassadors. I like that you named it ambassadors as a as an analogy. I yeah. think that's perfect because then they sort of own it. It becomes their bread and butter and they don't get misled or distracted mm-hmm. with the other projects incoming. Yeah. And the, cli- and the client's going to love it too because of the focused yeah. you just you own know, attention. It. You own yeah. it And I, I think that's always the, one mm-hmm. of the better ways for I, I i'm so happy to hear you guys got a good size art department i think i've been hearing lately more and more of these places shrinking down to just a few mm. managers and directors and everything's a freelance based and or hired subcontractors like certain times companies like that they really deserve the full-time help and mm-hmm. a good team of people to really empower them mm-hmm. you know that's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, for, for some of the retailers, we're, you know, we're, we're designing probably, uh, you know, 800 to 1,000 packs uh, SKUs per, per year. Um, so, you know, some of the programs are, are large and, and, you know, the retailer really, I think, benefits a lot from having kind of that single point of contact and, yes. uh, yeah. and really developing kind of a, a working relationship with the designer who's physically working on their brand. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so each ambassador, like, let's say you own one brand and then your all your colleagues each own another brand. Do you work on everything for that brand yourself or do you have a, kind of a, a sub team under you mm-hmm. that does production of? Yeah. Just, I, I'm just kind of trying to visualize how that all works out. Yeah. So we, you know, we, as the, as the kind of creative team designers really do set the look and feel for, uh, you know, for each category that comes through and then, uh, you know, and then at some point we will hand it off to the production team that will kind of, you know, blow out the line extensions and uh, um, and kind of roll out the whole program and really kind of, you know, make everything into a full functioning mechanical that's print ready that we can give to the printer and, and you know, and they're off to running, uh, you know, print pack and ship and all that stuff. But um, but throughout that mechanical process and working with the production team and the, you know, we have an in-house uh, photo studio. So there's probably a lot of different mm-hmm. pieces nice. and parts that are kind of working uh, kind of simultaneously. Uh, yeah. and it's, mm-hmm. it's really the designer's job to be the, the consistent, right? So they're kind of overseeing the project from beginning to end, even though they might not be yeah. physically doing every stage. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Do you cool. work with, do, are your vendor relationships all local there? No, actually, most of them are are all glo- over, are huh? global. Yeah, so our suppliers are are kind of all over. Um, you know, some are international, some are uh, some are domestic. But um, yeah, our our network of of kind of vendors is is huge, and we really do kind of rely on the people here uh, in our office to kind of be the consistent uh, kind of glue throughout the project. Hmm. Neat. <clears throat> That's great. What's the what's the most challenging part of this whole process of being a, a bit of a specialty here, and and the fact that you guys are always working on private labels? What's the biggest challenge? Um, you know, I think the biggest challenge is is probably uh, you know being put in a box, right? So uh, it's, <laughs> Liter- literally, literally, exactly, right? So as soon as, More ways than one. <laughs> as soon as uh, you know, as soon as anybody hears that that you know you you work specifically. For private brands or private label or own brands or you know they've changed names and 
uh, and stuff over the years, it, it just becomes immediately like, you know, you can only do that one thing, oh, um, mm-hmm. which is, I don't think, untypical from for, you know, other aspects of design, whether if you're a web designer, you, you yeah, know, only it's do a specialty. Design, so, sure. Um, yeah. You know, I think for some people, that's a challenge. Um, I, I, I'll be honest with you, and part of part of what I like about private brands um is that i i love when people think that i'm the underdog and i can only do one or two things um it's yeah, like the a great fuel feeling. for me that <laughs> that like i'll stop at nothing to prove them wrong so um, <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so i think that's part of why this particular like motivation design niche works for me um sure. you know i don't know if everybody probably thinks that same way or not but um that that's kind of a driving force for me anyway but I don't think I don't think a lot of people can say that. It's more like it, regardless of where you're in or what you do, as long as you have that continual like push to be creative and and change the game every time, like that's a good thing to have. I think a lot of any creative that has that is truly lucky. You know, sure. I, I mm-hmm. just I think that makes all the difference in the world because you got all the other factors: the pay, the commutes, the the team you work with. But to have that is a great thing to start with. You know. Yeah. Yep. I, cool. Yeah. I agree. And it's the eternal struggle of the niche designer, basically. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Some people board. might, yeah, you could say I'm pigeonholed or you can embrace it and say, right. uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a specialist yeah. yep. in this thing. Yeah. You know, so I think it's all kind of in how you look at it. So I would encourage anyone listening who's thinking about getting into a niche, don't think of yourself as, well, gee, I can only do this one thing or people only think I can do this one thing. Mm-hmm. Embrace the positive of it, which is, damn, I'm a specialist in this one thing and I do right. it better than anybody right? or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I've had other people, you know, along the way say, well, you know, I, I don't think you can, you know, you guys can't possibly do, you know, national brand design because you only do private brand design. Um, but, <laughs> so naive. Yeah. It's, well, that's, <laughs> that's dumb. Yeah. yeah and it's, that's, that's, that's ego. I think. <laughs> yeah. If you really think. <laughs> yeah. That's a hundred percent. Right. Cause I think yeah. at the end of the day for most of us, like we, you know, I didn't land in this uh, in this niche because it was the only thing I could do, right? I sure. landed here because it was a it was a conscious decision of where I thought I could bring the most value to my you know to my client base, right? There you go. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you this: Where do you see this whole industry of the private brand uh, specialty going? So you know, long term. Yeah, I mean, it it's growing. It grows it's growing faster than, uh, you know, many other kind of, you know, branding, uh, segments in terms of packaging. Um, Mm -hmm. so, and and most of that's just really because of the players that are entering the game. Right. So, you know, as soon as Amazon and jet got into the game, the game changed. Right. And it got a lot Did you see, did you see jets private label brand, by the way? I did. I actually, uh, it's you, funny if, because, if you haven't seen that it is yeah. gorgeous it, it, it is really gorgeous. is yep. probably one of the better better ones that are out there um i think the die line did a great little article on it uh a while back so jet being like amazon uh selling everybody else's products for a great price designed designed their own private label brand and it's called you is it jet you or you jet or? Uh, it's you you buy jet yep. you buy jet oh yep. look that up it is I mean, and they use some of the top illustrators, top like branding designers out there, you know, and and then I think they they did it, I think mostly in-house after that. But uh, that's a perfect example of where this industry is going, I think. And then Amazon as well with 
uh, their store and probably and their the integration with Whole Foods. It'll be interesting to see what ha- what happens there. Yeah, I'm yeah. super curious about that. And, and also too, I think I think it's worth saying in this conversation. Look at Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's is is yeah. exactly that. Yeah, they don't make a single thing in that store. No, it is all private label. Yep. And, and so it's a whole store, private label and what a job they've done. They've stuck to their guns, you know, like they haven't really evolved. There's a question of maybe they should, <laughs> I don't know how, what your thought is on that, Stephen, but, uh, gosh, you know, they're killing it. I mean, it's, and you know, I have, I know people who produce stuff for them and the pricing they get just makes it worth going there and yeah. getting it. And it's still fun design. They have fun with the it. Bo- the box for Gorilla Munch cereal just yes. continues to inspire <laughs> to this day. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, you know they're certainly one of the leaders. They've they adapted that strategy for themselves to be kind of quirky and fun, and that's just been their yeah. it's been their thing. I I if I was in that organization, I don't know that I would change that at this point. They're they're certainly doing a great. I know. I was just going to say it yeah. works for them. It's yeah. why they've got the yeah. successful reputation that they do. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, and the, it's so consistent with their other branding. Like just the, right. the way you're tre- treated in the store. Like it's yes. all very totally. Um, yeah. Totally. Yeah. I think I another want them to see to see them go any sleeker. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't work. No, and I think that's you know that's probably true for a lot of brands or private brands, right? Like you, you know the brand personality really should match the the physical personality um yeah, you know and i think trader joe's did a great job of that right so that you kind of yeah. get the you get the branding visual the second you're in yeah. the store yeah what an interesting it, challenge though yeah. oh i had a friend that worked at the she did packaging out here at the in their office for trader joe's for many years and she said in some ways it was because it was so established and it didn't change, and Stephen, you could probably talk to this, it became kind of a churn and burn thing because it was just one client, the same thing, and it mm. was like get it on shelves as fast as possible. Well, and that does, you know, have, you know that does happen. But yeah, you know, it's it's part of the nature of developing, you know, a program like Trader Joe's, who's going to have to cover three thousand SKUs across the entire yeah. store. That takes takes time to execute, right? So yeah, while they're coming up with the brand strategy and it's you know super fun and and kind of new and exciting at first, it does take time to roll it all out. So it does yeah. become yeah. kind of the you know the name of the game after the initial uh, strategy is launched is really about brand consistency, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So. Uh, I- Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask, because you say like some of these brands require like 800 SKUs a year. How yep. quick do you have to t- turn around? Uh, you know, again, kind of the, the upfront we do is really uh, kind of setting the look and feel, establishing the, the uh, you know, the brand like architecture the and kind of the right. guidelines and consistency. Um, and sometimes it's really just about a logo placement and everything else is kind of a one-off. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll try to do as much as we can up front to really kind of think through the entire store format and uh, and make sure that we can accommodate, you know, different different printing challenges that might happen in, you know, <clears throat> kind of uh, areas of the store that are historically, uh, you know, can't represent the graphics the same way, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, sour cream and like, you know, kind of those plastic tubs versus you know the full color box uh so it's yeah. it, 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 uh-huh. a lot of it is yes. that that planning phase sure. right yeah mm-hmm. I, I was gonna say another one i'm sure you and you're well aware of but would be a great case study for listeners to look at if, if you guys seen brandless no yeah so brand brandless yeah. was uh oh, was one yeah. that we it's 100 online private label 
Like right. it's, if you look at brands.com, yes. it's, it's so simple and clean, very fresh. Remember, uh, what was it? Fresh and easy. Was that, that the, yeah. the Tesco brand that came out here for a while, it, very similar to that kind of generic, yeah, but, I had but take a look at it. Cause it's, and it's got its own app. That's super clean as well. Yes. And just look at discount. Yeah. Interesting yeah. concept. It's, it, it's based on how you purchase. If you buy two or three SKUs, there's like a, a set shipping rate or something. It's so simple and clean. And hmm. like you're saying, so when you talk about the future of this thing, like hmm. that is really where it's going and it, what, what an integration they've done with online. Um, and that's the, that was the, when I saw that, that's what sparked uh, the private label project that I did in my class with my packaging students. So I love seeing that this stuff hmm. is doing, and it was a challenge, man. Cause I think anybody who's looking for something to try to do, uh, try to do what Steven does on a daily basis for one time. And you'll see it's, it's a, it's a huge challenge because you're playing with, you're right next to the big boys, you know, and you gotta look just as good, uh, and, and just as appetizing. Now you can't, you can't make it just generic anymore. Yeah, that's oh. That's hundred percent right. Yep. White box and big Crazy. black black letters are not going to work anymore. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So la- last question for you, Stephen. What advice would you give for any of our listeners who are thinking about going into the the private brand game? Yeah, I mean, you know, it it's pretty easy now to 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 find an agency that does private brand design to some extent, right? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, not solely 100% dedicated like uh, like maybe a Damon does, but um, but there's so much of it out there now. Um, I, I think for young designers, because this is kind of the mistake I made, was I wasn't open to it, right? So I, I think if you just if you find yourself in a scenario where that is kind of coming across your desk as kind of what you're what you're going to be totally. tasked with doing, I think the I think really having the open mind to to say you know how do I meet how do I execute these challenges to the best of my ability? Because, you know, I think it's very easy to say, you know, okay, well, this is only private brand and, and, you know, it, it doesn't deserve as much as I could possibly give. And, and um, yeah, I think it's just the openness to it. Um, I, you know, for me, I know that's kind of what got me early on, right. I was kind of using it as a stepping stone, but um, mm. I just think I didn't have, uh, you know, the mindset to be open to that as a, as a potential full on career. Yeah. Yeah. And with the line blurring so much, I, I don't think in the future, someone's really gonna have to worry about that anymore. Like it, it's just, it, it's losing the, the bad perception it had and it's right up there with everybody else. It seems yeah. like, yep. you know, and it's almost one of these niches that can, um, still account for a lot of variety. I think people are exactly. people are scared of niching down because they think I don't want to do one thing over and over again. But this is it's a totally. niche, but it's still like you, every project could be so drastically different. So I think well, and I think people fear that it won't be as broadly marketable altogether. Like mm-hmm. it will just have it, all of its limitations, and they'll find themselves yeah. too nar- too narrow down that hole. Yeah, but I I do I do have one question that's come up while we've been listening to you talk, Stephen. This has just been so interesting. So I did at one time work at a creative agency in downtown Seattle, and it was brand focused. Mm-hmm. And so I rem- I do absolutely have recollection of the in- internal processes and the chain gang and what happened for a second and who owned what. Well, I was hired specifically for a Nordstrom account, and. I was, I had thought, wow, I really want to interview with this agency. I get to have my hands on all these 
amazing brands, but that wasn't the case. They hired me for one specific account. And so maybe that's different. Maybe it's with respect to the agency that I was employed with that that was the case. But would you say that those that are looking for positions with a creative agency and actively interviewing, that that's what's to expect? Or, you know, in, in a primary sense, I'm not to say that if, you know, people are coming in sick or on vacation for weeks at a time that you won't have your hands dipped into other projects here and there mm-hmm. at some time, but that by and large, you are, you, you have your account that you are, your employment is attributable to. Would you say that that's the case more across the board? I mean, I know you, you can speak to your company's situation, but maybe you have a little bit more insight on how the, that agency that 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 situation for an agency brand agency works all together sure yeah absolutely i mean i can i can certainly tell you from the you know eight or ten uh branding agencies that i've kind of worked in along the way uh is that you know Uh the team the team structure of of pairing a brand uh you know with a dedicated team is pretty consistent yeah um but I, you know, and I, and every once in a while, there'll be, there'll be a shuffle, whether there's a change on the client side, that's a natural time to, to kind of yeah. mix it up because the relationship sure. is going to start yep. fresh anyway. Yes. Um, so there are certainly natural times to, that within an agency, you'll move around. And I know we kind of deploy those strategies here as well so that people don't get bored. Um, right. But Good. at, the, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of benefit to, uh, to really the team structure as as just a way for the designers to be super knowledgeable about that brand's DNA, right? And I think if you're if you're that ingrained into like what makes that brand so special, that you are also constantly thinking about how it can evolve. As opposed to yeah. coming mm-hmm. in fresh and new every day and saying, Well, here's the challenge and now I'm only thinking about that challenge and and less about the brand evolution. So I think that's something that we struggle with a lot too and and try to do our best to to make sure that we're, you know, always trying to push our our retailers and our brands to to like what's next, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's what you make out of it, because you're right, you could get one of those roles and stay very static in just doing the same thing over and over again. But it's up to you to make things as dynamic as you can with what you're given too. So you're right. Cause every agency is going to be different with those roles, you know? Yeah. yeah so absolutely. Yep. It's really what you can do about it. And if you're, you know, if, if you're finding happiness and creativity with this kind of stuff, keep stretching the boundaries, you know, I'm assuming you get, even get to play around with like naming the brand sometimes at, at a certain point. Right. Yeah, I mean, we you know yeah. we do it a fair amount, um, especially with the retailers. And who that's are fun. Kind that's of, a whole yeah, other that's area. super yeah. fun. Yeah, I mean, if they're if they're a retailer who's not looking to put like their logo specifically on the the pack and kind of creating those new brands from scratch, yeah. then then yeah, that naming phase and and kind of you know brand brand identity and development is certainly you know a big scope. So. Yeah. I I think that you know there was one question I kept I always forgot to ask some of the other guests we had with this kind of idea. And I want to ask you, because I think you're perfectly situated with this being in a big team and everything, but to young designers out there and the people that are in their first few years, can you give them an, the idea of how important it is to be beyond just a designer and be a good marketer and a good, like you're saying, copywriter, being a good person with, you know, all those different things that are beyond just being a good designer? What, what are the, what are, what's the benefit of having all that other stuff in a situation like you? 
Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think part of working for a for a larger agency is uh, is really the exposure to all those things, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I I don't think I was uh, particularly open to it in the beginning of my career. But, <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of like as soon as you really kind of establish yourself and get your feet wet, you start to, you know, I think there are certain people who will gravitate to uh, to kind of trying to own more. Right. And they'll start to take on those different things like, uh, you know, maybe copywriting and, and kind of finessing kind of the romance copy sure. that's on a pack. And, and uh, yeah, I think if you can find the right environment that that gives you the ability to kind of stretch, I think that's perfect. Um, there are plenty of agencies that don't really allow that. Yeah. But I yeah. think the and ones they, they where keep it siloed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it. I, it all comes down to culture, right? And the people and the, totally. the mix of people who are there. I think that the uh, the creative directors who are super secure in kind of what their value is, yeah, they totally. you know they'll let the people under them really kind of stretch and own it. Um, but you know, but the and, minute they feel threatened, forget about it. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, yeah. So that's but and, know, and that's not to say, and, and we don't want to say be a jack of all trades and, and, and be, you know, wear a thousand hats. No. But no. it's this idea that I feel like we've seen such a change in the last 10, 15 years where creatives, I feel, are more at the, the real table and not just sitting in their room getting direction, you know? And you're a good, you're a good example of that, that, you, you, you know, these creative directors are actually participating in the bigger talks and then, be, you know, representing their departments. And I, I love hearing more about that, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, if I think the worst thing that that kind of ever happened to me early on in in kind of the design career was uh, was that kind of feeling of being left out, right? Because ultimately, mm-hmm. your your mm-hmm. task you're tasked with doing the work, um, but you know, you're just not getting firsthand information. So, um, right? Yeah, it's a it's a challenge, it's been a but good I think change, it's changing. Yeah. I think it's definitely industry wide, at least in my experience, it's 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 been changing for the better, which is a yeah. Good yeah. It's not Mad Men anymore. Nope. <laughs> nope. Thanks. Don Draper is dead. <laughs> Don't ever say that. <laughs> oh, he he, he, was, he would definitely be dead by now. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. yeah pretty much. He would have I don't died think he lived past, yeah. past 82 probably yeah. right around there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool, Stephen. This has been great. Um, what a so what an interesting conversation. So where, do you want to stick around for the listener question or do you got to run? No, I'm good. I'll, okay. I'll stick around. Perfect. So before we get to that, let's talk FreshBooks, baby. Steven, use Fresh. Oh, well, you're not a freelancer. You probably don't use FreshBooks. I yeah. Luckily, I uh, I leave the finances to uh, people who are better suited than that. Uh, yeah. well, I, re- I remember those yeah. days. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm throwing down a challenge right now. I think this spot might just make you want to go back to freelancing just yeah. so you can use FreshBooks. Just because of <laughs> yeah. We love them. Like the the best thing I can say is they just they just make it super easy. Um, because no one none of us as designers, none of you know you're talking about wearing multiple hats. The hat we don't want to wear is like money nerd. Let FreshBooks do that. So they they send the invoices uh, that are properly branded with your colors, um, and they they send them out. They keep track of when it's been viewed, when it's been paid, so that you just have a really easy at a glance you just log in you can see exactly where all your finances are um they've been rebuilt from the ground up their new interface looks amazing for designers um you know and you can send an invoice really professionally under 30 seconds and the 
one of the best facts is um, with FreshBooks payments, over 60% of invoices are paid within one day. Um, that definitely did not used to be the case when I would just kind of send my own and you'd follow up and you'd not hear back. But the other thing I love about FreshBooks is they actually will be the bad cop and they will send those automated payment reminders that don't look like they came right from you. So you can still have non-awkward conversations with your clients when you're not talking about money, <laughs> exactly. which is great. And, you know, of course, we love their support. They uh, A real-life person usually answers in three rings or less. Mikkel can tell you all about that. Um, <laughs> and, we, and we've got a 30-day unrestricted free trial worked out for you, our listener. So go to freshbooks.com slash deeplygraphic and enter deeplygraphicdesign.com. In the How Did You Hear About a section, once again, 30 free days, go to freshbooks.com slash deeply graphic and enter deeply graphic design in the How Did You Hear About a section. So do it. All right. Do it. Cool. So we've got a listener question. This one comes from Stephanie from North Carolina. And she says, in a previous episode, Mikkel suggested charging a service or payment processing fee for clients who choose to pay their invoice via credit or debit card. I'm curious about what that looks like on the invoice, especially now that I'm a fr- FreshBooks user. Hey, this was Hooray! not this was not even pro- product <laughs> placement, but serendipitous. Um, what amount yes. goes on the digital invoice, the standard amount or the amount plus the processing fee? So I'm going to let you take this, Mikhail. I don't do this, so... Okay. Yeah. 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 You explained it really well. I like well. that this question is just following your our little tidbit for FreshBooks. I know. It's all mm-hmm. totally related. Um, that's great. God love you, Stephanie. So, so <laughs> this um, unfortunately did not entail a phone call to my Canadian friends with FreshBooks because I was able to find out this information on their website. Okay. <laughs> so they have a support section um, with FreshBooks that just has a really handy table of what the transaction fees for. Fresh, fresh book payments specifically U.S. and Canadian for U.S. and Canadian businesses. So they break it down based on Visa, debit, prepaid, Discover, Mastercard, um, Amex, and any other prepaid debit card associated with each. With each, and so there's a chargeback fee of fifteen, flat fifteen for all this. And you just go and you have a look at the transaction fee, which is by and large it's free. You know. Mm-hmm. 2.9% plus 30 cents. Okay. So I always... Make sure you get that 30 cents in there. Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely <laughs> advise inquiring... Makes a stickler. ...so that you're not surprised <laughs> if your client contact wants to pay by credit card so that you mm-hmm. can do the math before the invoice is submitted. So I don't, I don't submit these invoices by um, email. I actually prefer to do it. I export a PDF. I maintain yeah, yeah. correspondence over mm-hmm. email to track everything. And I just have my calculator handy. And based on the total, in, total for the invoice, I take that 3%. I add it on plus the 30 cents. And then I um, and then I send it off. And then I do ask since the rate is different based on the type of credit card, which kind of card that they're going to use. I had to do this in a big rush not that long ago because mm-hmm. our client said, "I can't use PayPal. I can't send you a check. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to get this going faster yeah. because I had they had a huge print job that was pending, it and they knew I wasn't going to expense it until the money came. Yeah. So. 
this is a way for them to hurry and get the information to me. Um, but there's other ways that you can threat. <laughs> I, yeah, you could just you could just kind of put it in, right? I mean, kind of quietly. Yeah. But but well, the cool thing, but but your, do, your system balances the books. does have a section where you yeah. can add line items. So if you opt yeah. to pay by credit card, the above is not your total. This yes. is your total. If yeah. you're if you're unsure and your client contact is not good with communication and you're mm-hmm. just not going to gain response, so that that way it's all disclosed. And if they don't pay the total associated with the line item that you create in FreshBooks, that's on mm-hmm. them. Yeah, and it, and you'll that will that amount will remain outstanding on their account mm-hmm. in FreshBooks. And you could do that with almost any service because you're getting charged that same you know certain amount, and all it does is it balances the books for you better. Because I, I I've had a few where you get those those payment like notifications, and I'm like. Where, when did I ever come up with that amount? It's like some weird amount, like minus, it's like a thousand minus like $3 and 65 cents, you know? So yeah. it's like, you're like, what, is, what was that? So if anything, it balances your books a lot better when you do what you were recommending, which is great. Which is, yeah. which is adding it as a line item off. versus mm-hmm. just kind of asking them ahead of time, hey, you're going to do a check or credit card. Both and work. Just it just depends it on in. the personality. It just depends on the relationship to yeah. me. It, yeah. I, almost, yeah. I feel like with me, I would almost rather just ask them and then just roll it in uh-huh. rather than have yep. it be a line sure. item. Because I feel yep. like then they that kind of almost could instill a little bit of bad will with the client. Like, oh, you're like... For those that I could. totally trust I and that. those that are completely honest, I, I might opt for the line item. But yeah. you're totally right, Wes. The safe way to go about that is to run a PDF export and send it by email after they have shared what what their credit card type is or the prepaid or debit card type is or whatever yeah um so do you i mean this link i can send you can post it um i don't know okay if you want the fresh books link but it's super handy i actually have it bookmarked and i refer to it often (laughs) so is there a lot of like a big discrepancy between credit card companies or is it more or less about the same it's just fluctuates it's very very little right one's like something point something and one's like yeah. just slightly different but we, that's but all we know uh, how i think AM, but amx is. was yeah uh, she, well, she's true. got her little roster to 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 a fault <laughs> it's true so one thing that i oftentimes have to know is that well it's good to know for us there are no monthly or setup fees you only get charged with this when you make sales as as a as a business person right right so sometimes it helps to contribute that knowledge to your client contacts so they know that you're not trying to mess with them. You know, I, I try to just be as open as I possibly can. Um, yeah. But I, I don't send this link to my clients. Like, <laughs> no, I want them to know that I obtain that knowledge and that, I, right. you know, you can, look, you can look up these payment card types yourselves and the yeah. tra- mm-hmm. transaction fees. That's yeah. not specifically FreshBooks material. Yeah. Exactly. What, what, what do you have to say about it, Stephen? Sorry, you would... <laughs> <laughs> no, this is good. I, you know, it's, uh, it's something that probably I don't have a ton of knowledge about. Um, but if nothing else, I, I will say that this is, uh, this is super informative and informational for me as well. Uh, just, I, I think as designers, we all probably have our kind of little side hustle. And, uh, you know, as I start doing yeah. more and more, yeah, uh, that was the question I forgot to ask true, you yeah. earlier is if you do any work on the side. Yeah. So okay. it, it's, it's a hundred percent in a different, uh, realm, but, um, but we cool. do a ton of, uh, he fronts a of, death metal band. 
Yeah. <laughs> I wish that would be cool, but uh, but no, we uh, I, I work with a couple people and we do um, we we do kind of large scale like graffiti murals. Um, oh, yeah. Fun. So it's super fun. It's it's wow. kind of like just a whole new creative outlet, but. That's cool. That's yeah. kind of where it's informative for me about what you guys just talked about in terms of, of fresh books right. because yeah. at, some, at some point. Oh, that's you amazing. Know, yeah. You must have no life. Um, you know, it's funny. The work-life balance thing is an interesting question, right? But, uh, you know, I, I actually I, I have very little free time, but I find mm-hmm. the time I spend is more enjoyable. Yeah. But what a great outlet. Well, I, I love your idea cool. of the graffiti yeah. part of it. Cause it's like, yeah. you're so you gotta be so ready for work. And then that's probably the best escape yeah. creatively. Oh, I would imagine. My, my favorite part of I'm, this, I'm going to start one. Yeah. My favorite part of this is just the visual of sending an invoice for graffiti. Art. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a far cry from. And here's a line the, item uh, for the credit card processing. <laughs> it's a far cry from the uh, from the explaining to your parents why you were you know yeah. you know got in trouble for graffiti and then uh, yeah now it's something oh, yeah. you can make money on. Oh, so. totally. Oh yeah. Nice. <laughs> Funny. Love it. That's so cool. All right, cool. Thanks again, Stephen. This has been great. Where can people find you online? Do you have any like an Instagram or anything you want to throw Your out? Graffiti or? site. Um, yeah, I mean our our Instagram. Um, you know, we're we're still kind of putting it in, putting it together. We do uh, we do have one that we do for uh, packaging though, and it's called the Packagist. Um, okay. And it's cool. it's really just a package design um, Instagram account where we kind of you know review and and you know talk about things we like and things that work and things that don't okay but, um yeah it's really just a, a kind of a, a passion project nice all right cool I thanks again for coming on this has been great and um yeah i think that's about it for us this week but really, we'll, we'll be great. back in another couple of weeks so with that in mind keep designing and catch us next time on the deeply graphic design cast 